we never made cider before. Next thing you know, we're making it, you know, on a huge scale, selling it to thousands of people. And it's crazy. Hello, and welcome to the Grow and Behold podcast, where I talk to women in business about their stories, stresses, and successes. My name is Renee, I'm your host, and today we are talking to the three women behind Shushwap Cider. That's right, we're getting the insider scoop of starting a cidery from scratch. When you start something new, do you tentatively dip your toes or do you jump in with both feet? There's no wrong answer and everybody is different. Just like when you go to the beach and some people run crashing into the ocean while others slowly wade in the water inch by inch. Now, personally, if I'm at the beach, the only way I can get in the water is to do it very quickly. I hate the feeling of the cold water inching up my stomach, so I just dip down to my shoulders as soon as I can. Now, in my business, it can be a little bit different. Sometimes I dip my toes and experiment with something new, and other times I just go full force ahead. They say fortune favors the bold, and my guests today are clear examples of jumping in with both feet. Kaylee, Lindsay, and Gina are the owners of Shushwap Cider, and in just two years, they have taken a dream and made it a reality. And it's a really great tasting reality, if I do say so myself. Let's get into it. Welcome, Kaylee, Lindsay, and Gina to the Grow and Behold podcast. Hey, Renee. <laughs> Thanks Hi. for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. I know you must be very busy running an entire business, cidery, taproom, all of it. Um, And so I appreciate that you've actually gathered all three of you to be on the podcast together. This is my first time interviewing three people at once, to be honest. Um, Every episode so far has been one-on-one. And so I'm just excited. This feels like a real fun girl gang. That's how we feel every day here. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, So before I get into it, why don't we just take a moment um, and you could each introduce yourself. Um, Tell me your name and maybe just like a little fun fact about yourself. Wow, fun. (laughs) I wasn't expecting to think of a fun fact about myself. Isn't that the the worst though? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't think I am that fun. We all hate the icebreaker questions. It doesn't have to be fun. It could just be like, you know. And anything just to give <laughs> just to give us an idea of like who you are because people who are listening they may not be familiar with shoe shop cider and so just to give them idea of like who are these three cool ladies running this business so keep it cider related is that the idea then no um we'll talk about cider the whole time if you if that's but a fun fact like i don't know people oh wait i'm gonna take the fun fact well it'll include all of us um my name is kaylee i am the cider maker at shoe shop cider company I have a son named Knox, who's awesome, and my cider-making assistant sometimes. And the funnest fact is that the three of us actually founded a nonprofit in Salmon Arm about five years ago, six years ago now. So we all got a chance to work together before we decided to open this business. And I think we made a great choice. Very cool. I actually was going to ask about how you all came together. So that's very interesting. So you started... Like, how did you, wait, wait, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't we introduce the other two and then I'll start grilling you. Sounds good. Go ahead. So I'm Lindsay Wong and I am a master shipper and receiver here. That is my um, non-official title at the Cidery. Uh, A very fun fact about me is I 
over the years have always wanted a hobby farm with lots of little different animals on there. And I actually have names for these animals, but I don't even have the animals yet. <laughs> I but love that. <laughs> it's very important that I have a guard goose. And the name? You'll love this. She's named after Etta James, and I'm calling her Etta B. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also have to have a mini pig. And I'll also have to have two miniature donkeys. Those are some like solid goals. I'm into it. <laughs> Can I tell you the names of my donkeys? I would insist, in fact. <laughs> okay. So this is for everybody out there. But uh, these names are for my donkeys only, okay? One is Rufus and one is Carlotta. <laughs> I love it. It's like the whole ba the baby naming name stealing thing. You know, people are like, don't share your baby names because someone might use it. It's like, that's exactly <laughs> it. I don't want to come across any other mini miniature donkeys on any other hobby farms with those exact names. <laughs> what is Carlotta? A Carlotta. I don't know. It's a cute little name. Adorable. <laughs> I love that. I love that you have the names picked out already. <laughs> so cute. Hey, my name is Gina and uh, I do sales here at the cidery and I try and do social media and I try and keep up with the website and things like that. Um, I have two cats and since we're talking about pet names, I have Rosabelle and a fairly new cat named Murder Mittens that I'm trying to um, tame a little bit. She um, was a, a rescue. So um, I I'm gonna say that's the best cat name I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I agree. Is that like a, a an official name or just like a transitional name? It's sort of a nickname because the name she came with was Puss Puss, and oh. I, you know, I thought she had a little more personality than that. So <laughs> I love murder mittens. <laughs> well, you might not if you met her. True, true. Hence the name. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's so cool just to kind of like sit down and meet with you after I've been stalking you online all week. <laughs> um, it just seems like such a fun dynamic. Do you guys find that like working with the three of you kind of like a three headed dragon um, is an enjoyable experience? Well, yeah, I, I, we have like a really good kind of rapport, I think between the three of us, because like Kaylee said earlier, um, working like volunteering together for the nonprofit that uh, we created um, you know we learned a lot about each other and our strengths and weaknesses and uh, you know we truly are like we're all really good friends right we socialize together outside of the cidery you know we have a lot of laughs when we're working together um, yeah and we know what we can accomplish and what we can't so we will share the the workload there so it, it works out really well that's so cool. And so speaking of that nonprofit, how did you all come together? Like, how did you become in one place to start kind of throwing ideas around? Um, so I had moved to Salmon Arm and I rented an office space downtown. Gina happened to be in an office across from me. So that's how I met her. And Lindsay at the time was managing our downtown business association. So met her by trying to join the board of that. And the three of us just started socializing realized that we wanted to do some kind of formal networking in town, but there wasn't anything available that we all were that interested in joining. So we thought we'd start that ourselves. So it started just as a 
female professional business women uh, from around the shoe swap, just kind of getting together once a month, have some drinks, have some laughs, talk about our businesses, try to help one another. And that morphed into uh, our BC society, which is called Shoe Swap Women Who Wine. And we founded that in 2017. And now we've raised close to $150,000 for local nonprofits and charities. Wow, congratulations. That's something really to be proud of. Yeah, it's been a fun journey for sure. And what was like the light bulb moment when you were like, let's do cider? Like, does anybody have like a history in cider or like just a big no. love? <laughs> <laughs> we'll let Lindsay answer this one. <laughs> well, when I was managing the, the Downtown Improvement Association, I started an event called Apple Fest. And at the time, there was only one other Apple Fest going on in the province, and that was um, down at the UBC, I believe. And it just sort of made sense because I was, uh, that's like a big, um, we are, the street shop region is a big um, agricultural uh, area and the history is is apples um, and we still have a lot of farmland and there's still a lot of orchards. So after hosting Apple Festival for a couple of years and really seeing the diversity and the interest and and just celebrating our, our background, like our history, um, when we got together to just sort of discuss uh, ideas about what sort of businesses would work and what we might be interested in. Um, I also have a hospitality background, so I had gravitated towards like alcohol production. So like a distillery um, brewery was also interesting too, but you know, breweries are kind of popping up and again, sort of lean back on that, you know, Salmon Arm has this great rich history and what about a cidery? So Gina and Kaylee, we were both hanging out one day and probably drinking red wine or something and uh, came up with the idea of like, hey, let's start a cidery. And so that's really all, it, that's how it began. It really wasn't anything complicated other than that. And just to let you know, none of us had any experience in cider making prior. <laughs> That, I think that's super cool. That's very inspiring because it's like you don't have to come from like generations of cideries <laughs> to start a cidery. Um, and I wonder like in general how many businesses were started after a tall glass of red wine? <laughs> <laughs> well, Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it could have been like bottles. I, I, I'm not admitting to anything, but right, yeah. <laughs> let's not admit that. <laughs> That's the name of our uh, networking group that we um, started together. It's called Women Who Wine. So it was started over a glass of wine for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. All great ideas start with wine. Yeah. Oh, so I love that name, by the way, because it's like a little bit of a play on words and I'm into it. Absolutely. So you've got, like I said, I mean, I don't know if three-headed dragging, I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> I just mean like, you know, a three-headed entity is your business. Um, what is that like team dynamic like? For example, how does that work when there's like a really big decision to be made? We joke a lot about how I have no authority around here because I prefer to not <laughs> be making decisions. Um, but I don't know. I think that we all we all think very similarly, but also one of us does a really good job at playing devil's advocate with a lot of decisions. Uh, we don't have a lot of trouble coming to a decision generally when we need to make one, um, but it always includes all three of us. And we, like we said earlier, Lindsay is our cloud. So <laughs> we generally let her process most of the information and then feed it back to us. And then we go from there. 
and I, I think you know we're all fairly like easygoing we don't have you know giant egos or anything so if we you know we listen to the facts we talk it out um you know and your idea might be good somebody else's idea might be better you know we we just think about it work through it and we have no problem going with what we have decided is the, the best idea and no one's you know has hurt feelings or anything it's a business we have to do what's best for the business so we we don't seem to have a hard time coming to uh any any decisions so and have you ever butt heads in the past like has there ever been any decisions that have kind of caused friction give me the dirt <laughs> oh, i can't think of anything nothing that I, I i mean no i can't really think of anything either like Lindsay's the one that has to put up with both of us yeah that's, <laughs> she's that's she might have true. the dirt um but like i don't think there's nothing been that that like big decisions you know we we do have a meeting of the minds and if they're small you know and you don't agree but whatever you let it go right you move on so um yeah i'm sorry we don't have a good story <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> no we can make one out though for sure <laughs> oh i i know one um lindsay detests country christmas music mm. so sometimes we play that just to irritate mm. her in the season so that is not her choice but sometimes we do it anyway because i believe that country christmas music is what's best for our business <laughs> So it's so a as, business decision. <laughs> as you can see, this is what I have to put up with, right, Renee? So, you know, I'm just very good at walking away, taking a deep breath, right? Excusing myself you know, from uh, the room. Yeah, two against one. So Kaylee and I, we want to hear it. She doesn't. We win. So, yeah. We just have to invest in some headphones or something like that. Earplugs. <laughs> That's right. And when I go to the bakery, I keep all of the danishes for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that could cause some friction that's for sure <laughs> um and i'm curious what did each of you do before you all came together in this business like i like you did talk a little bit about what you're doing directly before but like what is your your background what is what did where did you come from where did you go Cotton Eye <laughs> where did i come from um so yeah, I do. I do have a, a long history of hospitality and tourism. Um, I owned restaurants uh, for many years in the Kootenays. Um, also managed um, restaurants and a winery restaurant prior to moving to Salmon Arm. And when I came to Salmon Arm, I was jobless and was quite happy to be jobless. But after about seven months, I realized that really wasn't gonna help my future situation financially. So I was applying for, for jobs and I had also done a lot of work with nonprofits. So I did get to the, uh, the um, Downtown Improvement Association um, position of manager, so, or executive director. And I did that for, for many years and that was my last job. Cool, it sounds like those skills would be very transferable to kind of what you're doing now. Absolutely. Extremely. Lindsay's been a great asset with that experience that she's had. Um, and I graduated university in 2012 in Calgary with a major in personal finance. So I started working as a financial planner in Calgary, moved out here in 2017 and continued working as a financial planner until I guess 2020. 
when we started the cidery. So that's my entire professional experience. <laughs> and for me, I worked in hospitality and hotels. Um, I did social sciences in, in college, things like archaeology and anthropology, with, which don't help with cider making at all. Um, but, uh, and then uh, with uh, my ex-husband, we had a, a company with a wholesale uh, product that we sold. So I, I worked with that, with sales. So I've got a little bit of uh, experience in that department. Um, I've certainly had a lot of cider over the years and enjoyed cider and uh, yeah, diverse skill sets here, I think. So it's it's worked out well to uh, kind of compartmentalize ourselves within the, the cidery. So um, even in our early planning stages, we could see kind of where we would all fit, right? So, and there's certainly overlap and, uh, but uh, I think Lindsay's definitely our organizer. She's sort of, um, the one that says okay you know Kaylee you're doing this Gina you're doing that um you know we just kind of we have our own departments but then there's some overlap so yeah it's it's worked out well and I like how cider enjoying is part of mm -hmm. your like resume <laughs> it's a big part of our resume yeah you gotta love what you do right <laughs> yeah there's lots of great uh local um fruit and other produce that we can use here, right? So um, that's, we're in a perfect location to have our hands on anything that we want, so. And there's this like, you know, the saying, I don't know where it's from, but they say like, don't get high on your own supply. Do you enjoy your own supply? <laughs> well, I, I always, when people ask that question, I say, you know, if you, if you start working a chocolate factory, you know, maybe for a week you'd be, enjoying chocolate and stuff in your face but then you you know kind of have enough and be a little bit more selective in, in what you're having right so yeah no we don't sit here and drink cider every day we certainly need to to taste things when Kaylee's uh <laughs> making new batches and we're you know checking out what we like about it but um yeah we it's it's great to have it right here, but no, we don't sit around and drink cider all day. Well, except for maybe Kaylee. Yeah, maybe me. <laughs> but it's part of my thought, right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, it's part of the job. Gotta do it. Sorry. <laughs> um, and can you just kind of take me through, like, what does an average day look like at the Shoe Schwab Cider? Like, what do you each kind of get into in your, in your average days? Lindsay, you go first. Oh, average day. I mean, it really depends, honestly, depending on the season. Um, mm -hmm. Summer is nuts around this place. We have our tasting tasting room um, and our patio open. And that is just, you know, managing staff, um, customers, luckily, that come in. We do have staff to take care of them. So that's not something that we participate in um, all the time as far as going down and serving staff or anything. Usually we're just helping out if that's the case. So we do have a fully staffed tasting room for that. Um, we are out on the road a lot, um, all of us. 
<clears throat> besides doing the work that just needs to be done in a typical manufacturing location, like, you know, making cider, tasting, cleaning, uh, paperwork is huge. Uh, Gina and I spend a lot of time at the computer, which is the extremely boring and nasty part of our, our business. <laughs> the definitely the fun part and challenging part is sales and, and being on the road. We do a lot of outreach where we go to a ton of events where we just try to market and promote our product, get people to know us and see us and put the face to our, our beautiful ciders. Um, and that way we can also answer any direct questions that people have, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to be face to face with someone who is enjoying uh, your product. So that doesn't get to happen all that often, but in our industry and what we're achieving at this stage is to, to really get our brand recognition out there. And, um, and it really helps to have that, uh, that face, that company name um, to our, to our product. Yeah, and that's actually how I discovered you in the first place was at a market. It was in Armstrong, and I think it was just like a regular Sunday market or something like that. And I walked by and was like, did I just see lavender cider? And I like, <laughs> like, like pulled the brakes. Like I was walking, but it was like. <laughs> that's the one and, that always gets attention. Yeah, well, I think lavender is really big. I love lavender. And then I was just like, I can drink it. Like, <laughs> but I did a couple samples. I think I did the, <laughs> the full lineup. My mom was driving, so it was fine. But I did like a sample of every single one you had. And then I bought a, a four pack or something like that. Now, would that have been one of you? Like, do you do all the markets yourself, the three of you? Yeah, that probably would have been Gina at the Armstrong market. Yeah, if it was this year, um, I didn't do the, the, um, the regular one um, this year, I did last year, but we we did do a few one-offs in the Armstrong area. So could have I think it was last year. So that's cool. Okay. It's nice to yeah. meet you again then, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really neat that you do um, markets. Um, it, it obviously is a very beneficial part of your business. It's a huge part. Yeah, and like Lindsay was saying, it's it can be quite rewarding when you're talking to people who are repeat customers and like, oh, I love that lavender honey, or you know, when is that blueberry coming out again? I want to get that, and you know, it's it's just it really makes you feel good about what you do when people keep coming back to to look for their favorites and want to buy them for friends. And you know, we talk to people that are maybe from the coast, and they're like, oh, my my daughter loves your cider, and you know, she lives in Coquitlam, and she wants to know where to find it. So you know, we answer a lot of questions like that, and we try and keep that updated on our website so that everybody can see where they can buy it. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, trying to branch out a little bit more. We've got uh, some accounts in the lower mainland, out in the Kootenays as far as Kimberley, down um, Kelowna. Cam loops and kind of everywhere in between there. So we're, we're um, that's only two years, just over two years we've been open. So we're working on a few different things. Lindsay's trying to um, get us out in Alberta and the Yukon, um, things like that are happening too, but it all takes time and, you know, just persistence. I think that's a, a big lesson we've learned. Uh, <laughs> you have to be very persistent. Sales is a, is a difficult you know, animal to tame, and I don't think you ever quite tame it. It's very challenging. Um, I mean, it's it's a great product. We have a great product to work with. Kaylee makes awesome cider, and when they have it, they love it. That's not the problem. It's there's a lot of competition too, right? So you have to um, just be really conscious of your 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 pricing and what you can deliver. And um, yeah, we we win a lot of people over, so we're we're quite happy. <laughs> Yeah, that one-on-one -on -one kind of like relationship that you can create in a market is is really great. Like you said, for feedback, I think it's great for the customer too because they can taste it. And 
like selling things through social media or online can be tricky because people can't see, they can't touch, they can't taste. Um, whereas at a market, you have one sip and you're sold. Well, I was. <laughs> and did you say you've only been open for two years? Yeah, June 2021, we opened. So now it's wow i am impressed because it you feel very well established like your retailers list is is huge and and like it's just i it feels like you've been around forever so good job on kind of really establishing yourself thank, thank you. you thanks i think it helped that we kind of all left our jobs to do this full time this was not a side hustle right from the very beginning mm -hmm. we were all in mm -hmm. That does make a difference because I, I find like a lot of people, myself included, when I started my business, it's like it was uh, a balance. I worked at a newspaper, actually in Armstrong for a little while, while I was kind of like figuring out what I was doing. And then like eventually it was actually the pandemic. They had to let me go. And I was like, all right, we're going full time like it's happening. <laughs> and then everything's, you know, history from there. Um, but I think that's really common where people are. It's very scary to take that leap. How did you decide to to just jump off that cliff and all three of you kind of take that huge risk together? We were just ready. Yeah, like we, we all had different reasons, but yeah, um, yeah, just uh, well, the pandemic actually yeah, helped make yeah. that decision as well. Yeah. We had actually gotten together to specifically brainstorm businesses that we could start together. And that was when Lindsay uh, suggested the cidery and we just started doing a bit of market research, AKA drinking cider. <laughs> we found a cider school down in Washington that we could attend that was just like a one week crash course. So we signed up for that, started to build a business plan and then we just went for it. And that was in 2020, right? 2019. 2019, yeah. right. So then um, we went to school October, 2019 came out of school thinking, okay, we can do this. Let's build a business plan. Let's find a location. And then 2020 COVID hit. And I think that actually gave all three of us a bit more time to focus on this because our regular jobs were just not quite as demanding during COVID. And I think that it helped us in many ways time-wise, although it did become a bit of a pain when we had to get a bunch of our equipment in and all of that equipment was coming from overseas. So that was a little tricky. But yeah, I think that in many ways, the pandemic worked in our favor to get up and going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was like a big boost, for, I think, for a lot of people, either just like because they had more time, because you kind of had no other income or whatever reason, like the pandemic really shifted a lot of people's lives, of course, as we know. <laughs> okay, so we got a little distracted there. If we can go back to talking about our taking me through an average day. Um, Kaylee, what does that look like for you? Uh, my day today is mostly surrounding the actual cider. So currently we are fermenting a bunch of cider because we just harvested apples the beginning of the month. So fermentation, checking on the fermentation, testing the cider. Once the cider is done, blending the cider, kegging the cider, canning the cider, <laughs> all cider related. There's a few small reporting jobs that I have, but for the most part, I'm down among the tanks uh, making cider and then you know, maybe doing a few deliveries here and there or doing markets wherever Lindsay tells me to go. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you come up with the flavors? Like what, you know, do you like awake from a dream in the middle of the night or like you sit yeah. around and discuss? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's always sort of a group decision, but 
honestly, they just sort of come up, right? Like we'll see, um, you know, maybe what fruit is in season that we haven't played with yet, what herbs are available. Um, honestly, just we think about whatever's available in our region, how will that go together? So we've paired a lot of like herbal and fruit combinations. Maybe we see a combination in a cocktail that we think would make a good cider. That's where our uh, lemon lavender cider came from, was the idea of a lavender lemonade. Um, and yeah, honestly, we just kind of see what's available for fruit, go from there. We all dream up ideas, we pitch them, we basically trial everything. And we actually haven't really found one that hasn't worked out well yet. Except for we tried to do a hopped pear and that one did not taste so oh, good. Oh, that's true. That's but everything true. else has been a winner. Yeah, we, we were doing a, a mojito cocktail with cider at the, at the cidery here and our customers loved it. So we thought, well, why don't we do that in a can? And, uh, you know, we, we worked on that. Lindsay, you had a, a contact, mm -hmm. yeah, that uh, helped us kind of come up with a formula. We did some trials and we, you know, muddled a lot of mint that one day to put into <laughs> Uh, to the mojito and um it's been a great seller we're we're thrilled with how it's turned out we'll do double probably what we did last year because it was in such high demand so cool yeah because i find your flavors are really kind of like unique and fun and very intriguing um i think you have i assume like seasonal flavors and then you've probably got like you know like your cornerstone flavors as well um can you just let me know and let us know because I already know <laughs> what uh, like what are your main major flavors that just kind of stick throughout the whole year so our flagship ciders are the dry apple semi-sweet apple lavender honey and cherry rosé oh man I'm getting thirsty <laughs> <laughs> they're all awesome like they all sell uh, equally well and they're the ones that people know us for specifically the lavender honey I think is the most popular the cherry rosé has gotten really popular and then both of our apple ciders are just very classic and very delicious. And then for our seasonal ciders, ones that we have actually packaged in cans to sell, we've done the lemon lavender, hibiscus ginger, hascat berry, blueberry, perry, and fireside spice. Oh, yes. And of course, our mojito, the one that Gina was just mentioning, was a new one from this summer. Mm, yum. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> and we do a ton of small batches just in kegs. So we have those on tap in the tap room at basically any given time. We have 10 different ciders on tap. And those we also uh, offer to our retailers as well. So the restaurants and such that carry our cider, they could have something that nobody's ever seen in a can. Like we do rhubarb, currant. We have a Marichal Foch cider right now. We've done tons of different ones with stone fruits, peach and apricots. And yeah, we just keep trialing new things. Is there a lot of error with that trial, like trial and error? Sort of. I mean, honestly, they all come out delicious. So <laughs> getting a blend right. You're like not to toot my own horn, but they're. <laughs> I think it's just that cider's delicious, so it's really hard to mess it up. Well, and you know, you can tweak it, right? Like there's mm -hmm. things if, oh, this isn't, it needs a bit more, you know, sweetness or acidity and it, Kaylee can tweak it, right? So you can check it out and make it the way that we want it to taste. So yeah, the recipes mm -hmm. are really simple. So when it comes to blending, it's just a matter of say, if we are combining like a peach wine with an apple cider, maybe it needs more peach, maybe less peach. Maybe we think it's a little bit boring and we want to add some herbs in there. Then we try that. But 
uh, typically, you know, these are like three ingredients or less type blends. Yum. I, I've said yum like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> and yeah. Kaylee, did you um, like, so you're self-taught in, in cidery making? Well, we went to school, so we learned quite a bit in our one-week crash course. And then we okay. actually had a wonderful um, consultant that we had out of Nova Scotia who worked with us for the first, I think, solid nine months that we were open. So she helped us develop the recipes for the first uh, probably 10 ciders that we made. Uh, but her process, too, was, you know, very simple, like keep it simple, keep it clean. And we just kind of kept going with the way that she taught us. So not really self-taught. She definitely taught me everything I know. <laughs> and uh, now I'm just kind of trying to perfect those same skills. Very cool. Uh, and Gina, why don't you let us know what your average day is like? Well, let's see. So yeah, I guess um, a huge part of what I do is just uh, connecting with our, our retail customers. So um, private liquor stores, uh, bars, restaurants, um, people like that, just continuing to communicate with them and, and get their orders and um, organize what needs to go to them. Uh, Lindsay works on shipping those things out. We get the staff to help us package up the orders and uh, I do a lot of the deliveries too. So um, that's part of my day and uh, yeah, just uh, keeping our website up to date, trying to do a little bit of social media here and there when I can fit it in. Um, uh, reporting, there's lots of reporting with the liquor distribution board that needs to be done, which is like what Lindsay was saying earlier, the kind of the necessary evil that uh, you don't really, when we're starting this business, you don't really realize how much time that takes up. Like it is a huge portion of time um, just doing, Lindsay does the inventory and tracking inventory, tracking samples, tracking promotions, like, um, yeah, tracking how many liters we're producing. It's just, it's a, a lot of tracking. <laughs> so, yeah. A little bit of the less fun side of the business, but mm -hmm. also very important, of course. So you've got your markets, you've got retail. Um, do you sell online as well? Uh, a little bit. We haven't uh, really taken off in that department, but we, we do. Um, yeah, we, we, we're working on that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've only been here for two years, so I feel I'd yeah. say you're doing pretty well. <laughs> um, and then you've also got a tap room, which you mentioned as well. Uh, I was looking on your website, and your tap room has pizza. There are dogs allowed on the patio. There's cider. That's like my top three favorite things right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of a lot of people's top favorite things, actually. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Like you got the formula right. <laughs> really cute. Sometimes we have a um, as many dogs as we do people on the patio. <laughs> but the dogs are great. They're so well behaved. They just sit by their owners. They're just happy and to be out, right? To be mm -hmm. out socializing and and uh, they have we have happy customers because they can bring their their animals with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a really fun and unique experience. And in terms of that tap room how did that all come together were you met with any great challenges when you were designing and kind of coordinating that um that kind of public space no i wouldn't say necessarily i mean we worked with a, a totally blank uh, slate when we came in here we actually had to uh build our plan uh with the landlord because it used to be an old canadian tire building 
So it was all just concrete. Um, we only had a certain amount of footprint that we could we could access. Like this was the only space available left um, that was suitable for us in this building. So we worked with that. Um, it just so happened that my partner uh, owns the pizza place. And so he has a commissary, a kitchen here. And we had discussed the possibility of him opening up a, like a pizza window. So he would you know, have his kitchen there um, and then just open up a pizza window. So, you know, our customers, the cidery customers could access pizza. So that that sort of all developed um, from really from scratch. Uh, we had to we just had to do the floor plan and we did probably about eight to eight plus um, revisions of it. Um, because when you're when you're building it from scratch, you and you have no idea of building a manufacturing space. I certainly had experience building um, kitchens because I've done that before. Restaurants, I've done that from scratch, but certainly not manufacturing. So all of a sudden, we're dealing with you know tanks and tank space and and interior health uh, requirements, of course, um, accessibility, you know, size of equipment that I didn't know we had to work with mechanical things like different uh, voltages. So that had to be taken into account, plumbing, um, lighting. So washrooms, of course, through interior health, uh, lots lots of challenges. But that was um, that was really, for me, one of the most interesting things I've, I've ever done. You know, it's really challenging to, to do something like that when you've had no experience. And luckily, we did have a landlord with, uh, <laughs> with great resources and a lot of knowledge in building. Um, so that was, yeah, huge for us, but still, right. I mean, it's our plan and our space. And I honestly can say now I wouldn't change. I really wouldn't change anything as far as our footprint, our floor plan. Um, certainly we, we would, you know, maybe add more shelving or, you know, the odds and ends stuff. Right. But as far as everything, how it's situated in the flow of everything in the building, it works, it works, uh, to the best of, I think of its ability. That's really nice. I the reason I said earlier it's worth driving from another town for is because I'm in another town and I'm like ready to get in the car. <laughs> You're welcome anytime, Renee. We'd love to take you on a tour too. So um, you know, that's not sort of an official thing that we do that we post. You know, a lot of cideries and wineries, breweries might have, you know, regular tour dates or something, or or you sign up in advance. But you know, when we're here and the manufacturing space isn't, you know, in, in action, we're happy to do a, a little walkthrough if we have time. You know, anybody that asks and is curious, we have no problem. It, it's not like it takes long to do a tour here, but for those that are are so inclined to you know, hey, this is cool. Look at these shiny tanks. We're happy to do that. So cool. I love seeing the behind the scenes. <laughs> sorry, Kaylee, I missed that. I was talking over you. Oh, sorry. I was talking over you. I was just saying the shiny tanks cost a lot of money. So it's great. We <laughs> <laughs> have this joke here about Kaylee. Um, she she has to spend some time polishing the tanks. <laughs> That's how I like to spend my time up there polishing the tanks. <laughs> Well, you got to keep them looking good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how, old, how tall are they, Carrie? 12 feet? Um, I think 15. 15? Yeah, our big tanks are 15 feet tall. Yeah. Our small tanks are 10 feet tall. Yeah. Cool. And so all that happens like in the same space as the tap room. and. Yeah, our entire space, I believe, is only about 1,300 square feet. Yeah, the footprint, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's a pretty tight space. So yeah, when Lindsay mentions tours, it's not like a, it doesn't take a long time really because <laughs> there's only about, I don't know, a thousand square feet, maybe less of actual production space to walk through. You just stand in one spot and go, there's the tanks. 
There's the taps. <laughs> exactly. Let's drink cider now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just a quick question for myself for editing later. When you said you don't really do tours, do you want me to just like cut that out? Was that just for me? Or are you like okay with saying that you can do tours here and there? Um, I think anyone could come in and say, hey, yeah, if, if, we're, yeah, if it's tidy back there and, and, cool. have, and we have time, then we're happy to to just let people have a look and tell them a little bit about it for sure. Yeah. Perfect. I just want to make sure I didn't put that in there. And then suddenly you got people lining at the door and you're like, that's <laughs> <what we're doing." laughs> we hope that's what happens. Yeah. Exactly. Well, very cool. And thanks for the invite. I, I think that sounds really neat. Maybe I can maybe I can make that happen. Um, now, it sounds like throughout your last couple of years, you've done a lot of new things. You've tried a lot of things that you weren't experienced in. Have you throughout your business journey experienced what's called imposter syndrome or being like frozen in place because you are doing something new and doing and, and taking these great leaps? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that we've all probably felt that at some point. I think for myself um making cider i mean it's it's crazy we never made cider before next thing you know we're making it you know on a huge scale selling it to thousands of people and it's crazy you know people are like oh you know did you go to school for this and where did you learn how to do this and i'm like i'm still learning i just learned this is my first batch so um yeah a bit of imposter syndrome for sure and then we had applied or not applied sorry um submitted some of our ciders to some international cider competitions this year and we got incredible feedback we won a gold a silver and a bronze uh, in two separate competitions and that was pretty crazy for all of us because you know we're pretty new at this we are not you know longtime cider makers and to get great feedback among so many other cider makers who've been around for so long it was really cool but definitely a bit of imposter syndrome maybe I think we're all just faking it till we make it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very common in most businesses is that like you just got to you just got to keep going. And congratulations by the way for getting that recognition. Thanks. We were so excited. Now, have you I have a question. Do you know of the Apple Box Bells? No. They are the women who packed apples in like the 19 early 1900s um well then let me have the joy of telling you about it <laughs> um i was just doing some research in general on cider in the okanagan and in canada and i found that there that women have had a really integral part of um not necessarily cider it's all part of it but like if apples and orchards in general um, and just an FYI for anyone that doesn't know the Okanagan area, it is very plentiful in terms of like orchards, we're famous for our wineries, there's like, like in my front yard, I've got three apple trees, a plum tree, an apricot tree, and I think a choke cherry tree. So it's just like the Okanagan has, it's very fruitful, you could say, in fruit. <laughs> um, and so we're going into a little bit of a history lesson here, uh, but basically, in the early 1900s, basically the only women that were involved in orchards were like the wives and daughters um, of farmers and of orchardists so that they could kind of help when they were needed seasonally. And women weren't really allowed to, or not necessarily allowed, they just, they weren't uh, in the workforce at the time. Um, 
there's something called a packing house started in the early 1900s where they would sort, grade, pack, and stamp the apples. And these were all operated by men until the First World War started and there was a labor shortage. At that time, uh, around 1917, packing houses were suddenly predominantly women that were employed in these packing houses. They unfortunately had significantly lower wages. They were making about three cents a box, which is about 450 per day on average. And then by about the 1930s, most packing houses only employed women. They were like, get out of here, guys. Even after they came back from the war, the women were preferred in those roles. And then eventually they even had like apple packing championships, which I think is just like the most adorable thing. <laughs> it wasn't just Okanagan, like women would come from Alberta, come from the coast uh, to come and work on these orchards during the seasons. And so I just thought it was really interesting that women have such a large role in BC and Canadian orchards. If we could go back in time and go tell these apple box bells about shoe shop cider, cider, excuse me, and how it's owned and operated by three women. What do you think they would say? Like, how do you think that they would react to this fast forward in the future? Well, I, they'd probably say it's about time. I mean, if they're doing, <laughs> doing that work for such a long time, it, it is still a challenge, I think, even for the three of us. And we think that women have come a long way, but we do run into um, different sort of scenarios where people want to you know, talk to the owner and they they look to whatever man we're standing with, right? Um, so that can be a bit of a challenge when you know you're the one with the knowledge and it just happens to be it could be any random guy, but people tend to look to a man to be the owner or the boss, right? So um, it it has been a little bit of a challenge in um, different areas, but. Uh, I think we're all feeling quite comfortable in our roles now and uh, um, our confidence has, has built a lot over the last uh, two plus years. And I think uh, people are, you know, learning to, you know, know who's the boss around here and they, and they you know, can, can respect that we, we have a lot of knowledge now and, and we, we can run a business just like anybody else. So, yeah, I think those... Uh, Apple Bell gals, they would be very proud of us and they would be behind us 100%. <laughs> and they're the yeah. ones who started this. Yeah. So thanks yeah. to them. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I mean, that dynamic of like, can I speak to the manager? And they're like, I am the manager or the owner. <laughs> would you say that it's still like a very uh, male dominated industry? I would actually say the opposite. Um, in our experience, and I don't know if it's just because we are women, but most of the cideries that we've connected with um, other cider makers and cidery owners around here are women. It's pretty awesome. Like I know specifically of three other cideries that are a hundred percent women owned and operated in kind of like the shoe swap, I guess even kind of sort of caribou region. But um, yeah, it's actually pretty common for women to be in the cidery business right now. Well, I think the, the demographic is there's, a few more women that drink cider than than men, right? I mean, when we went to cider school in Washington State, they did say it was about 50-50, but I think, you know, in our region, there are more women who prefer cider than men. We are winning a lot more over now that they realize that cider doesn't have to be a super sweet, almost, you know, soft drink style. Like we make a great craft cider that has a lot of other dimension to it. And I think we're winning over a lot of uh, 
different people from different demographics, whether they're, you know, new to drinking or they're, you know, in their 60s or 70s, they're like, oh, wow, this is fantastic, right? Whether they're male or female. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think because women are the more major consumer, it seems natural that women are the ones making the cider. So. Cool. That's great to hear. I used to live in the in Vancouver in East Vancouver and there was like a lot of small craft breweries and they always had a very like bro vibe like it was as you know I still went I still drank the beer but it was it felt very like a, a very masculine energy and so that's really cool to hear that uh, there are so many badass women out there with their sideries. Yeah and I, I think you know with the, the design of the tasting room and our cans like they're they're I, I don't want to say feminine, but they're, you know, softer and a little bit more arty, I think, with our 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 style. Like just mm -hmm. uh it's a, a calming vibe. Beautiful, right? A real yes. yeah, we get a lot of um comments about our our cans. They really are works of art. We we worked with a, a great um uh, what are they? They're a designer. A designer, yeah, with uh taking the images from around the shoe shop here and some elements that we wanted to bring into it. Um, like you were talking about the history of uh, apples in the Okanagan Shushwap region. The Shushwap region, actually, we grew apples here before the Okanagan because of our climate. So the Okanagan needed irrigation to have successful apple crops because they were quite a bit drier. But the, the Shushwap were, you know, ahead of the game there with just natural climate that was um, great for apples. So we were shipping them around the world 20s 30s 40s um to like south america south africa to britain um all over the place because we we could grow such great apples and it wasn't until a little bit after that when irrigation started um having more success down in the okanagan that, that they got on board with that so we were really kind of a, a bit more of a um a forerunner in, in that department so yeah that was part of our design um, inspiration was the Art Deco kind of 20s to 40s sort of vibe with our simplicity of our cans and our, our our look of our tasting room so and that makes sense too like you know you're coming from three women's minds from the flavors to the cans to the tasting room like it's all got your kind of touch on there and I bet that kind of translates to the customers and they feel maybe like what I they don't feel what I felt in East Vancouver where I was like oh this is a bro zone can I have a cider is or a beer I guess that was beer not cider um but like it, it sounds like it's kind of translated to be a really kind of welcoming and, and I wouldn't say feminine space but like inclusive yeah I, th I think like our, our cider we describe it as clean crisp and sophisticated and that really I think kind of encapsulate cap I can't even speak up uh, encapsulates <laughs> our our look you know um, on our cans and what we try and um, portray here at the the cidery too so um, yeah just a nice crisp clean vibe yeah and now I have, this is a very this is like a personal gain question but do you have what do you do when you have too many apples because I have too many apples right now do you guys have recipe suggestions please a hundred percent yeah if you are interested in trying to make some cider at home just send me an email I'll give you a quick and easy lowdown on what to do oh my gosh you could do that at home I guess so yeah you can do home brewing <laughs> yeah you, know, you need like a glass bottle or a glass jar and you need some way to juice your apples and yeah 
Do it. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't know how many apple crumbles I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it in your bathtub, you know? <laughs> Whoa. Well, it's the same process as winemaking and there's all kinds of winemaking stores where you can, you know, get the things that you need. So yeah, it's very doable for, for anyone. That's amazing. I better get out there and keep picking then. <laughs> um, okay. Now, so if, if you could go back in time in a time machine, not as far as the 1930s, but let's say two to four years ago, and give yourself a little piece of advice for when you first started, or tell yourself something that you would, you know, maybe do differently than you have done, what uh, what would you do differently, or what would you tell your previous self? I, for myself, I think, <laughs> you know, you're you're talking about the imposter syndrome. Like I, I think. I would tell myself not to be so hard on myself, right? Like you're learning every day and you, you don't know what you don't know. So you just, you need to be a little bit easier on yourself and, and just be, yeah, just, I, I can't think of what I was going to say, but yeah, just, yeah. just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, more encouraging to yourself than, than beating yourself up over things that you, you didn't know and you had to learn and yeah because you just it's impossible to know what's coming down the road so you really need to just take your time and uh and learn step by step and yeah just take support from people around you too right learn you don't have to reinvent the wheel there's other people doing what we're doing um like kaylee mentioned there's you know, lots of cideries run by women. We we did speak to lots of different cideries and had a lot of help from a, a couple of them that were really great with um, answering our questions. And and then, you know, you've got support within the industry and you're not trying to figure it all out yourself. That's great advice. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? I would just say for myself, I don't think that there's anything I would want to warn myself four years ago we'd never have done it no we don't say that a lot because yeah. if we would have known what we were getting ourselves into we might have talked ourselves out of it i think that our level of naivety was a bonus actually <laughs> i think it really helped get us where we are <laughs> i do too i i i wouldn't uh go back four years and talk myself into anything or talk myself out of anything. I think just going with the flow um, is, is huge. You have to be in the moment in this kind of a business because things are thrown at you all the time. You cannot be prepared for everything that comes your way. And I think that's really important. Just, just be open-minded, make sure you have support and resources and you will, you will be challenged um, and be very excited about it. Yeah, that's great. You're right. Sometimes, you know, if you tell yourself too much in the past, you might chicken out. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have a little bit of a, a rapid fire round here that I kind of like to end the uh, conversations with. Um, usually it's like about five. It's just like a this or that. So it's very quick. So Kaylee, camping in a tent or glamping in an RV? Glamping in an RV, for sure. Lindsay, scary movies or rom-coms? scary movies <laughs> Ooh, are you watching a lot of scary movies now it's october i don't have time i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but i would if i had if you did <laughs> so uh gina pancakes or waffles Ooh, waffles because you can fill all those holes with syrup <laughs> <laughs> totally i agree uh kaylee storm watching or stargazing stargazing 
Nice. Uh, Lindsay, big city life or small town vibes? Oh, that's so, <laughs> if anyone knew me, small town. <laughs> uh, and Gina, only eating pizza for the rest of your life or never eating pizza again? Oh, you know, I, I have to say eating pizza for the rest of my life. We have such fantastic pizza here. I, I will never say no to it. Dave does a great uh, thin crust pizza here. It's awesome. You wouldn't even have to leave the building. You'd be oh, great. Oh. <laughs> <Good to go. laughs> we need. I feel like that was the hardest question out of them all. <laughs> um, and then my very last thing I love to do at the end of a conversation is I have a playlist on Spotify called the Grow and Behold playlist. And I ask all of my um, interview guests to suggest a song for the playlist. It's very eclectic, but they're like, Specifically, we're looking for like pump up jams or like motivational songs for when you're just having those really bad days. Um, can you each suggest to me uh, one song each for that playlist? Yeah, I can. I can start. Um, mine is Proud Mary. Who's that by? Proud Who's Mary. By? Uh, it was the, I think the most well known would probably be I Can Tina Turner. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I can put that on there. <laughs> I would say anything by Lizzo. <laughs> we'll go with good as hell. It's a good one. I've always liked uh, Girl on Fire, Alicia Keys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good one. Those are some excellent suggestions. Mm. Cool. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. I've had a really good chatting with you, good time chatting with you. Um, if somebody is looking for you to connect with you online, where can they find you? shoeshopsider.com we have our shoeshopsider facebook page instagram um, and our email hello at shoeshopsider.com you can shoot any questions our way awesome and then the, your cider is available all over the place basically check the website right and they can find out where to buy that cider yep and if it's not in your local private liquor store and you want it there then you need to take the initiative and say <laughs> where is your shoe swap cider you need to get it in here it's fantastic so <laughs> perfect i may be going i'm gonna go check the lumby liquor stores right now <laughs> oh yeah we're not in lumby yet not yet no, we're not. get on over here ladies <laughs> happy to. <laughs> cool um yeah so thanks again i really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and um i hope you have a good rest of your day making and selling and doing all cider things <laughs> thanks renee thanks, and we renee. really appreciate you reaching out to fun. us yeah, yeah we we listened to a few of your podcasts um leading up to this and you've interviewed some people that we know and some businesses that we're familiar with and i think you're doing a really great job at kind of sharing everybody's message so thank you for that Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thanks, Renee. Thank this you. was so much fun. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to hang out between episodes, you can follow the pod on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. We now have a Patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly subscription that costs less than a pint of cider. That's at patreon.com slash grow and behold. See you next time. <laughs>